Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. This is Peter Englert. I'm here with our producer, Dylan, Dylan Carnival. I'm also here with John Amayo, the area crew director for Upstate New York. We are here with our fantastic guest, uh, Jeff Miller from FCA. We are talking about the question, why is my ambition so off-putting? Or obnoxious, I think, is what the question was phrased. <laughs> Not that you wrote off-putting. it. Off-putting. Off-putting. Why? You what? actually wrote off-putting, but I don't know that anybody talks like off-putting anymore. Does anybody, <laughs> do, does anybody even say that? I don't know. I'm starting to wonder if I figured out why I got invited to this. <laughs> obnoxious ambition. This is great. Ob- obnoxious, off-putting. Yeah. You know, my wife says it. We'll throw her under the bus. <laughs> Anyways, so John, um, I love this topic and I love our guest today. Jeff Miller serves in FCA, um, and he'll probably share a little bit more about that, has a great career in the marketplace. But I think this question is so important because it feels like outside the church, ambition is semi-valued as long as you don't cross a certain line. And I feel like inside the church, it's like if you desire to be a leader and you have ambition— well, no, you need to be humble. Like I can remember a pastor saying to me, like he was preaching from a sermon. He's like, you know what I do with every intern is the first job they have is to clean up the trash. And I'm just like, um, oh, I was like, oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. So started, put that bar low. I don't know. What do you think about this question? Well, I mean, as, as I thought about it, I mean, I think it's a, definitely a worthy question to be tackling together. And I, I, I think there's different levels to it. I, I just think there's a healthy sense of ambition. And then it, it easily goes into this unhealthy spot really quickly. And sometimes we can be part of it and it can start off healthy in our lives and and move into that unhealthy category in ways that we weren't expecting. And I just seen people who have lived there long enough who actually come to regret it. <laughs> and so I feel like what we need to do is have our, a proper gauge of our life. Like, where is that ambition in my life? Like, to have it is certainly a good thing, but like, if it's driving me and that's all that's driving me, then maybe I need to take a look underneath the hood a little bit and go, uh, okay, what's there uh, before I before I end up crashing and burning down the road a little bit. So. It's not all bad. It can be beautiful. It can also turn ugly. So I think that might be one of the reasons why people don't want to talk about it because it's like, well, how do we know? And so we're going to unpack that maybe a little bit today. And that's why I'm uh, really thankful to have Jeff here with us talking about it. Yeah. Jeff, why don't, before we, we talk about ambition, let's just talk about your career. Why don't you give us just a little snapshot to help us understand your relationship with ambition and yeah. your experience? That's good. It probably started back when I was a sophomore in high school. They gave you um, a tester questionnaire that said, answer these questions. It'll tell you what you should be when you grow up. Mm. And uh, and I said, I don't really need the test because I know I want to be a businessman when I grow up. And I'd watch my father be successful. And I thought I'm going to follow in those those footsteps. Lo and behold, my mom actually gave me that uh, that questionnaire back. She had kept it. Uh, so it's a few years old. And uh, And she gave it to me and it said I would be a business person and a salesperson. So I spent the the twenty years post college, um, you know, pursuing a career with ambition in in the context of uh, technology organization, and so it was an incredible run. And I can I feel like maybe I was tailor made to have the discussion around ambition and the healthy part of it. Um, the first thing that comes to mind, by the way, is 
confidence versus um, being cocky. I think mm-hmm. there's a continuum there. And, and John, as you were describing sort of that healthy and where it can go, yeah. I think that the Lord asks us to be strong and courageous, right? No doubt about that, but um, but it, it, it isn't to go too far. So I have some experience probably testing the waters yeah. uh, in that space a little bit there. But it was 20 years in business, and God called me away from that, thankfully, uh, to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And what's your role there? Yeah, I spend, uh, it's a, a talent advancement coordinator for the Northeast region. And uh, it's beautiful. It's recruit, hire, train, and develop. And the time at which I was considering uh, a career change, it was not to join uh, FCA, it was not to join ministry at all, it was to continue to be a businessman because I believe that's what God had wired me to do. And it was through some conversations that I realized that God had been preparing me um, through creating high-performing teams to don't do that and help out in the ministry here. So thankful for the experience that I had to be able to do that. Wow. Now, what com- what companies have did you work with in those mm. twenty years? Like, how did that how did that progression go for you? It's great. I, I love the question. Companies, assuming yeah. that there was more than one. Well, I, in fact, yeah. no, because that's no. what happens these days. I think yeah. that's a very valid valid question. I actually, worked for one company during wow. that entire time for nineteen years. Mm. Uh, we were acquired once, so I guess you could say two. Um, but it was if you plotted the progression, it would be from really bad COBOL programmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, to maybe we should have him do something else and give him a, a team and, and thankful for that. And it was really after doing a good job at each thing, they said, we'll give you more and more. And there were a couple that were sort of lateral moves to do something a little different. But but by and large, it was um, it was unremarkable in one sense that it was a very natural progression as it went up. In others, it was... Um, yeah, we can get into it, but you know, at some point, being the youngest vice president at you know a ten billion dollar company, somebody wow. starts to take a look at, and we can talk a bit about perception, where's where mm. I think you get into into some trouble with this as well. Yeah, no, let's go there. Yeah, while we're there, let's go there. So, so you find yourself the vice president, the youngest <laughs> vice president yeah. of a ten billion dollar company, right? And and so I was told, and there were there were many uh, vice presidents. To be very clear, my kids were thought, you know, you yeah. are the vice president. Uh, as right. no, there's there's a couple hundred. So, um, but, it, but at the time, I remember when somebody told me that was the case and it was of no surprise in some ways, because if I looked around the room, I often found myself being the youngest person or very least the youngest tenured person that was in there. Hmm. And so I spent a lot of time needing to, um, I felt like prove myself in those environments. Um, and there was one particular moment I happened to be spending about a year in, in Brazil in Sao Paulo working with the bank down there. And at some point, I, I had the opportunity to take over the project, and I was 23 years old. And uh, and are you a vice president at this point? At this point, no. At this oh, point, I'm like, I, holy I, cow! I, I think I think I didn't even have a title. Gotcha. At that point, and and uh, the project manager left, and they said we'd like you to step into the role. And the client, who had been really trusting of everything I had to say and share, uh, was good at that point until they found out how old I was. Mm. And they said, I'm not so sure. So I kind of got to the kids' table uh, at that point, sat there. So. That was where I became cognizant of that, but um, but I guess you would say my ambition, hopefully in the positive sense, uh, gave me the confidence to, to push through that. So uh, the, the career progression was awesome. I had a chance to travel the world and do all these things. And one of the things that I didn't do well at the time, and it was really had to do with the maturity where I was in, in my walk with the Lord, was asking God for direction on where he wanted me to be. In many cases, it was, what's the next rung of the ladder? And so when you got promoted to director, you know, you wake up the next morning and go, our principal was the first one. Well, how do you make senior principal? Mm. And you make senior principal, how do you make this? And so for, yeah, for much time, that's where I spent thinking about it. And in retrospect, I would have approached it differently. Huh. 
So that's where that that was where you felt that ambition start to kick in. Yeah, like you're, like even going back to that twenty three year old example hmm. of yourself. Like what what and and all of a sudden you're kicked down to the kids table, yeah. so to speak, as you put it, right? Yeah. What did that do inwardly to you at that point? Was that like a oh man, now I'm gonna I'm gonna show these guys, I'm gonna prove to them you know, or, or what, what was going on underneath the surface? I think it was a combination of the two. Part of it was, was, you know, a little hurt because I was still the same person that had been there before. But I also was like, I'm the same person that, that knows what I know and they trusted before. So let's just keep going. So I'm a huge advocate for just doing a good job. And it Mm. sounds so simple. And maybe people want to, as they aspire for the next or, or their ambition drives them forward is to come up with some plan or approach or, this is the strategy to get there. And I think people undervalue just working hard and mm. producing at that. So for me, it was, we've got a project to get done, deadlines to hit, and we did it. And so that was my way of saying, hey, we, we could still do this. Yeah, yeah. So so kind of let's, <clears throat> you and I had a pre-conversation about this mm-hmm. um, and, and just growing up and even now at Browncroft, I think one of the perceptions that people have told me is like you come across really ambitious like and there's like I think of my mentor Mike Keys mm. you know he's done a really good job with me of kind of saying that's ugly that's good <laughs> and even to your last point you know you talked about you know really like it can be really hard if you're ambitious and every time someone hands you a project you just, it's almost effortless. So you're sitting down with a 25 year old, you know, you do talent mm-hmm. recruitment and they kind of feel like, you know what? No one notices. And, and to, to say anything feels, I mean, cause the number one probably job question, when do I ask for a raise? What are you telling them to watch out for and to keep doing when it comes to ambition? So, Wow, we want ambitious people. So it's not a bad word, right? Yeah. We want those people that uh, that aspire to to do great things. And in the instance now, it's to have a great kingdom impact. So that's not a bad thing. Um, so it's so easy to take, uh, in my mind, a 44-year-old set of experiences and you kind of want to layer that on a 25-year-old. Um, but the reality is the Lord's watching and we work for him, not for man. And so if you can get that mindset um, I think that changes the game. Mm. And and something that, when I think about it, the, we talked about the perception a little bit, at least teed it up. It's how are you perceived? And that's other people's reality. And then there's the question of what's your heart condition, if I can use that term. So are you aspiring or are you ambitious because you really feel like the Lord's laid on you you know, to, to go after something, to do something, he's giving you mm. a vision to go do. Um I would say by all means be ambitious in that way, um, but be cognizant of the perception that other people have as a part of that. So in some ways it's, um, you know, let the results do the talking and, and I don't have an answer to people aren't noticing uh, at that point. And there's, you know, you can have some shameless self-promotion that goes on with that too. I don't necessarily ascribe to that, but um, but I think at some point it's just about the results and just working hard. And eventually somebody will, and the reality is the Lord's watching the entire time. Well, so would you say it's probably a patience problem with mm. most leaders that you talk with? 
Well, I would say it's interesting you use the word. That's my word for the year, patient. Uh, so thank you for reminding me, uh, you know, as a, as a parent uh, as well. So um, your kids love you, by the way. <laughs> they do. And if they happen to listen, they'll be laughing right now. So, um, so Peter, the question again, sorry. Would you say it's more of a patient's problem? Um, I think it is. In a world in which we live where things we're expecting to happen so quickly, right? Mm. Um, I think at some point there's there's seasons. And I heard recently, and, and maybe, the, maybe the last person to the party, but bloom where you're planted. Mm-hmm. And that just resonated with me so much. Um, I think about, you know, be patient where you are, continue to work hard, wherever you're serving, working, um, and then do it. And, and in time, you know, then I, I certainly believe it'll come. Mm. Mm. So can you, can you paint a picture? I think you've, you're doing a great job for us right now of framing what that healthy, mm. maybe underneath the surface looks like for us. You know, it's driven by a higher calling kind of for God. It's, it's hard work. It's just dedicating to the things that are right in front of us, bloom where you're planted. You know, it's, it's, it's doing the best with what we have, but, but how do you know when it's getting to an unhealthy spot? Like, and, and maybe that's not one thing, but, but, and I'm, and, and it looks different in everybody's life, but maybe you, maybe you could throw out a couple of different options. I just for wish us. people could see my face as you're asking yeah. that question here. So, <laughs> um, you know, all of what I've been sharing is from, you know, years of experience and, and, and knowing what I know now versus yeah. looking back. So, um, you know, there's a there's a really good reason uh, why I left what I was doing before because it was unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, those same kids that uh, we talked about a moment ago didn't see me very often. Uh, I have an amazing wife and two awesome kids, and uh, and I was gone a lot. When I think about my priorities of wanting them to be uh, faith, family, work, mm-hmm. anybody with an IQ uh, greater than two would have seen that was completely inverted mm-hmm. for a period and a season, and, and actually quite a long season. And so it came with you know, all sorts of opportunity, traveling the world, big teams, big dollars, right? In terms of budgets and all this stuff. And in the moment you're excited in what's mm-hmm. happening and uh, a lot of kudos and, you know, uh, you know, nods from, you know, the, the president or the, the this or that. Uh, and, and it's amazing. But your question is, how do you know? And it's really hard in the mm-hmm. moment to know. And likely you won't find out until you've paid a price mm. in some way for that. And so for me, it was time away from home. And uh, thankfully, Becky and I just taking you know, a period of probably six months of prayer and leading up to, to leaving that because it made no sense in the world that I would leave that. Um, but it made all the sense in the world for us to, to be home again. So I experienced the unhealthy um, the aspiration for VP, what about senior vice president? And then, you know, business unit leader and all these different things. But um, yeah, I, I can, I can envision now what it looked like in the moment, John, really hard to tell. Yeah. Yeah. I think what you're describing too, is something that isn't necessarily unique to the business world. I'll, I'll say that just based off of my own experience, you know, I, I, before doing ministry, I was in the business world too. Um, so similar kind of story as yourself in that, uh, but, but I've noticed it in the ministry world too. You can have the exact same thing. And it's even a little more deceptive, actually, I feel like for people in ministry, uh, honestly, because you think, oh, my priorities are right. Faith, right? Family, work. Well, how about when your work is based off of 
your faith, then what I see happen a lot is is in the lives of people in ministry sometimes is that the exact same thing can happen. Their families get lost. Well, and and real quick, just kind of what you said, you know, it doesn't matter if you work for a church or a nonprofit or a business, Mm -hmm. there is this high of, I finished this email and I, and like, it just kind of feeds that. So I don't know. I just wanted to throw that out there because I, I don't think that that's too dissimilar. It's it's not unique. And I need to be, um, I need to be as conscious of that now as I did right. before, because you're talking about in the context of, of ministry, you know, we're saving souls, right? I mean, this is, there's <laughs> nothing more important, nothing more valuable than that. So, um, and I think it's a very slippery slope. We spend a lot of time talking about a healthy minister hmm. and we talk about that, mm. um, you know, from a, physical health, financial health, uh, spiritual health, um, family, personal health. I mean, all of that comes together, which by the way, there aren't very many people in the business world that are asking that question. There's nobody telling you to slow down. Mm. Um, So the one thing, and when I think about it, what I didn't have, I had mentors, but they were all that were helping me to achieve next. Mm. I didn't have somebody that would just sort of, you know, if it needed to be a punch in the arm or whatever it was to go, what are you doing? Right. Mm. Is this a little too much right now? You mm. still have time. You know, how are you doing otherwise? Mm. And so I think there, if there were a way to find out, it would be those people that can help you maybe with your blind spots. I had a big one. Um, and those that really care about you as an individual. Yeah. So l- let me ask you this. I just want to get super practical. Yeah. So, you know, there's a 25-year-old. His name's Brad. He's listening to this podcast and... He's saying, okay, I'm, I'm open to this discussion. What, let's go to the meeting room. He's sitting with his boss or he's sitting with, you know, a friend or whatnot. What would be some things to say like that that's obnoxious, you know, as you sit with people, like, let's just call it for what it is. Yeah. Um, so, so, so if somebody, we're, we're trying to tell them some, an example of somebody that's being obnoxious in theirs. Like, like Brad doesn't know, but he's being uh, obnoxious, you know? Yeah. Um, sorry, Brad, we love you. Yeah. This is why we're having this conversation. I, I just, one of the things that I hear a lot of people is they talk about my, mm. they talk about my team, um, what, 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 you know, my unit, my group, my ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine wanting to be a part of that team. <laughs> right with with his or her thing, right? So Brad, it's not yours; it's the team's uh, is a part of that. So that would be one example. But there's other people that just know that um, you know you're out for yourself, and 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 you make it clear, and and somehow you've decided in your mind that that your success also benefits the company, right? Because if it's, you're making your numbers or in ministry, certain things are happening, so you've somehow convinced yourself that it's okay to keep going strong in that way. Um, but, uh, it sounds a lot like putting self first mm. versus, uh, maybe the, the organization's goals or, or ministry's goals. Mm. Mm. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah. When you think about that, that concept of putting yourself first or, or this is mine, you know, I hear that a lot too. That's one of those things that, that really sets a trigger off inside of me. Like I go, uh Oh, red flag. Yeah. Like when somebody is saying my my this, my that, my people, my da da. You know, it's kind of like, oh, that's that's a scary place to be. It, it is, and and there's you know, ownership can be a good thing mm-hmm. when when you have that. Uh, and I think at that point, when you when you own something, there's a sense of accountability that comes with it, an emotional buy-in. 
we're not talking about that here. We're talking about a different kind of, of ownership or I, 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 you know, purport that I, I own something more than it is. And, and for me, I think about people, there's a book I'm reading right now, Hero Maker. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but it talks about how do you make other people the heroes, not yourself? Wow, yeah. you want to change the dynamic there. It's not mine, it's theirs. And how do we get there? And uh -huh. that's really, I think you can make a shift. Yeah. So well, let's let's take it from the unhealthy mm. to the to the healthy a little bit here, and and maybe take a moment or two to reflect on your own life. And and you've kind of said you know reflected on some some past times in your life where you gone ah oh, that that hasn't been healthy. But how about now reflecting on on times that you look at and you go I'm really thankful that that this is the step that I took, yeah. like. And my, I feel like my ambition was in the right place during this time. Yeah. I, so I think sometimes we get siloed when we think about goals and ambitions. So you can win big in your career, but lose big elsewhere. Mm -hmm. um, you can gain the world and lose your soul. Like yeah. what, what is, so if you, if you take a look at the big picture, which I, I think I do a better job at and will want to continually get better at, but how are you looking relationally with people? What is that? If you define success or set a goal there, what does that look like? Friends, family, um, faith that we've talked about as well. And so I think it's a balanced view. And any one of those things, by the way, can get out of whack. One thing we haven't talked about here, we we're talking about the workplace, but you can be too ambitious at home too, right? Um, mm -hmm. with, your, with your children potentially or, or otherwise. So um, it's it's really a question of when you look at it holistically. And so for me, it's how am I doing health wise? Um, by the way, I still have ambition to get you know in better shape. Mm. Uh, I have ambition at FCA right to have a bigger impact. Um, I have ambition to to lead my my kids well, right, and my family well as a part of that. Um, but I look at it, if I were to, I don't literally have a scorecard for this or anything. But if I did, there'd be many more things that I'm measuring. Uh, versus, you know, the next rung on the ladder, if you will. Yeah. So let's come back to Brad. Yeah. You know, what are examples of young leaders that you know that they have ambition, but just the way that they operate and carry themselves? You've said that's the way you carry yourself with ambition. Yeah, I, I go back to those that um, that I think are selfless in the way that they, that they act. And, uh, I'm so, I, I didn't realize at the time that I personally, and I'm thankful this was God doing it through me because uh, otherwise I was too selfish, but being a servant leader, mm. I think is big. Um, and you can do that. And people talk about, well, I don't have a, a team, so I don't lead, or, uh, I'm not the captain of the team, so I don't lead. We all lead in various ways. And the question is, how are you going to go about that leading? Are you going to, you know, tell people and demand what they do or are they going to um, are they going to you know lead others and maybe it's maybe it's taking the trash out of the office right it's small things that people see and go what's the dedication there um, and it's not just about themselves we we talked before about um, you know somebody who's an the intern the first thing I make them do is take out the trash you know I love an example of you know somebody who's just named captain of a of a team right so pick a, a lacrosse team for example and. You know, there's captains that now think I'm going to go have those freshmen carry the bags, right? And the balls and move the goals and whatnot. And that's a total opposite, mm. right? So you want to talk about a young leader. Who's the leader as a captain? Who's the team leader in the workplace? Who is the director in a ministry that um, 
that says, I'm going to grab the bags. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do that. So I take great notice of that. And by the way, I believe that is, as I get older, you expect my kids would expect me to say this. I think that's rarer now than it was before. So Mm. if you're willing to serve your greater team, that's what I look for in in, any young leader. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I think that's really, really uh, perceptive of you to pick that up. And, and I think that, uh, you know, that's things that a lot of people are looking at now. Like mm. people are legitimately looking for those. And, and, and I didn't do it always. And there was a particular moment early in my career, um, even before I gave the, the previous example where I was in a training class and I got called out for, I was in technology support and something went bump and I had to go address it. But evidently I had previously left for various reasons. And then somebody came out to me and said, where do you think you're going? And I said, what, what do you mean? I said, I got this call. And I said, you know, you carry yourself like you're somebody different here that you can get up and walk out of these things. And, and this woman, Tracy, she, she like, was like, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. And that was a defining moment for me because at that moment, it really was. Now, I had a legitimate reason that one time, but I'm so thankful that she <laughs> called me out for what I had done before mm-hmm. uh, as a part of that. And, and that, that had a difference. And again, looking back, I can see the components coming together but I wasn't the one that was taking out the trash. I wasn't the one that was doing those things. I was looking for the next opportunity. So opportunity to serve others, um, you will get noticed for mm. that. You know, it's almost as if you're saying, you have to make a decision to do some things, realizing it's just the right thing. You might not get recognized, no one might notice. Like, and, and I think that that's so counter our culture too. All this, you know, I was thinking about um, on my way over here. It's just, it's, it really is a heart condition, right? Mm. It's ambition's not a bad word. What's the reason for it? What's the heart behind it? Um, if it's for number one, if it's for, you know, it's called more money, if it's for prestige, it's for a title, it's for a, a title and a business card, right? So that you can have, um, you know, that can get unhealthy really quickly. If it's an ambition to serve others and even do well in some of those other metrics, that's okay. Um, and I think people see see through that as well, yeah. right? So um, if you're going to err on one side or the other to get noticed or otherwise, really in your heart is just to serve. Mm. Yeah. You, you, you seem to paint a picture here of ambition and goals going kind of closely together. Mm. Like, And even in your own life as you're reflecting some of that, you kind of let us in a little bit of that. Um, but how about your own life? Like what goals are there for you that now for you and yourself, you're like, Hey, this is what I want. This is what it looks like for me to have healthy goals at this stage in my life. Yeah. And in this time as well, where we, um, have less opportunity, maybe to be ambitious in some ways, it Mm -hmm. causes you, uh, the opportunity to do that. So my priority is absolutely at home Mm. where, where, um, that was a priority, but it wasn't the priority. So when I think about, um, you know, I only have so many years left with the kids right before they're gone. And so I want them in the context of their faith to, to grow really strong in that um, before I don't have the opportunity to influence as much anymore. Mm-hmm. I want to set them up for academic success, right? And, and working hard in that way. Um, I want, I would love for my wife to say that I love her better than she's ever been loved before, right? And, and our marriage is strong. Um, in any of those examples, when I think about priorities, that's really nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's everything to do with me, but nothing to do with me personally benefiting necessarily from those things. So there's a perspective change that happens there. 
uh, I I have other goals. In the Northeast region, uh, when I joined the team, there were 18 people three and a half years ago. We have 50. Mm. Uh, I, I, I thought we'd be to 100 by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have goals absolutely to make sure that we're finding those that God's calling to, to build out the team there. Um, so, so there are goals that still exist in the, the workplace, um, even if it's not the marketplace. Yeah, yeah. But you're describing a, a sense in which your goals have almost flipped at this stage in your life. Like you're, you're, you're kind of have an awareness of what's important. And I think sometimes for those of us, when we first start out, we don't have that awareness and, and we need to just listen to people who are a little further along on the journey to go, hold on. You think this is going to get you to that place where you're really happiest, but, but you know, the place of true contentment isn't that, I mean, how, as you reflect on your life now compared to like, even, I don't know, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. like how, how do you, how do you rate that in terms of your inner world? Like, yeah. So I want to, I'll be clear on one point first. Yeah. I still have ambition. Sure. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and so while some of those goals may be different than they were before and the priorities have been shifted, um, you know, uh, I hope you guys will hear my heart on this. Going from leading a team of 800 people around the world in a $200 million business to a team of myself mm-hmm. is different. And it's still yeah. even three and a half years later, I love leading people and mm-hmm. I still aspire to to those types of positions again. And to the extent that God says, I want you, I want you to use those gifts in the ministry. I look forward to those opportunities and I'm still working hard in anticipation of that someday yeah. happening. Right. So I want to be clear that this is not uh, you know, a, a, a total shift that's still in me. It's still a drive. And I believe now that is more motivation. The Lord's going, Hey, I want you to, uh, to go down this path. Um, otherwise in terms of, uh, you know, at home and the shift, I guess it's a shift of priority. And frankly, it's probably some maturing that's Mm. happened as well uh, in me. No, not probably. It is (laughs) maturing that's happened and just experiencing life in that way. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. John and I were talking today. I uh, Actually, the other day, I I read the book this week, The Motive by Patrick Lencioni. And it's kind of like the hero maker where he basically says... We've failed a whole generation of leaders because we we said to them, if you become a leader, you know, your ambition is so that you can get to the top and basically do whatever you want. But I think even what you're saying is that at the top, it's actually extra levels of service. It's extra levels of convert. And in some ways, you know, I'm 33. If you were to talk to the 25 year old, you know, it's not saying it's not what it's cracked up to be, to be a leader. It's more, you have to realize you're doing more serving. And he even, he even says this, I'd love to get your take on this. He said, we should stop saying servant leader because it should be assumed. So I don't know, what are your thoughts I, on that? No, and I think about also the studies of top leaders in the corporate world. One of the characteristics you see almost across the board is a humility, right? Mm-hmm. That's there. So this concept that leaders need to be strong. Yes, absolutely but it's not a ruling over people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, There's absolutely a, a, a component there. So I feel challenged now, Peter, by the, the comment of not calling <laughs> servant leadership, because, but I think until it becomes the norm, yeah. um, there is a distinction to draw between the two, um, which is one could just um, be a leader and the other is a servant leader. And I ascribe wholeheartedly now, uh, the more I realize, the more I mature, and I'm pointing John mm-hmm. to, uh, <laughs> to the servant leadership side of things. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm the youngest one here. Um, and so let's just have some fun with this. What would you want to say to your younger selves 
what advice, and I want to give that to both of you, you know, just about ambition, just we're pretending we're all sitting down for a meal. There's a bunch of 20 somethings and 30 somethings. What would you want them to know about ambition? Man, uh, that's a great question, Pedro. Um, I, I, I think for myself, I've had some wonderful mentors along the way that have steered me in the right way that if I didn't have them in my life, I think I would have been in a much worse spot. But I think about some of the wisdom that they shared with me. And, you know, for one, like you're never going to get that time with your kids back. Like, and that's just true. Like, and, and, and that is rung in my ears several times, you know, throughout the years. Like, I always got to go back to that. Like, how much am I selling out my family for what I'm doing? And, and these are guys who now had, you know, their kids are out of the house and they, and, and they said, you know, a lot of guys they know, they have a huge amount of regret around that. And so as I look at my life, I, I go, man, I, and I, and I still need to pay attention to that. Um, and, and I would say that everything, uh, you know, another, another mentor that I've had in my life has, has been really, has leaned into like your marriage is the most important thing. Like if you, if you're married and not everybody listening to this is married, obviously, but if you're married, that's the most important relationship. Everything else flows out of that. Um, you know, you, I've appreciated Jeff talking about kind of a, a, a holistic view of, of ministering and of leading. And I, I just think that's so needed in what we're doing. So, um, yeah, I guess that's just where my life is right now. And I, I would, I, I know that that was so anti what I was feeling in my 20s and in my 30s, but I, I, I needed to hear those messages and I still need to hear them today. So I don't know, Jeff, how about, how about you? You, you? you touched on, I think it's, I think it's the mentor. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a particular component of that mentor. I had a mentor who is still my mentor to this day, but we, we worked at the same company. Mm-hmm. And and my success was his success. We were in the the reporting chain together, and so I get him. He was an incredible coach. I learned so much from him across the board, and I still do to this day. But I think what I needed at the time was a coach or a mentor, rather, who was not at the same company, not in the same organization, mm. um, who was also older and had more life experience. And so I would say to find a mentor, some, somebody that can speak into your life who's maybe been where you were. Um, I think about Sam Huey here at the church I've had a chance to, to meet with. And I, there's many a story that I tell that like I can see and he's like, yep, remember that and, and did that. And so if you can seek out that person um, who has your best interest in mind, who, by the way, could still support you in your goals and can still strategize with you about what it takes to get there but they may be able to notice where it starts to get to that, that unhealthy side. I think mm. that's where it is because other people will see these things well before you do. Mm. So I'm just having fun. I'm just going to listen in. Um, <laughs> so we talk about humility. I, I think ambition with humility is, is I mean, I think it's the goal. Um, so I don't want to talk about actions, but I want to talk about just the thoughts in your mind and your heart. How do you know um, that you're humble. Like, how do you know, like for you personally, when you say I'm at a really, really good place ambition wise, you know, what does that look like? Well, if you're like Paul, you just tell people, uh, that you're, uh, <laughs> that you're humble. No, that's not it. Um, Peter, that's a, 
and that's a great question, and I may have to take a moment to think on it, but I, I wonder if it's something you can realize in the moment, or if it's something that you may realize uh, after the fact, which I guess there's a risk associated with that, that in the moment you might think you are, but you but you don't know. I don't know if you have a thought on that. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it's just, you know, having the self-awareness to take an honest look at your motivations. Mm. Like, and, and that's really tough sometimes to do. And depending on what stage you're at, it's easier than others. But just to really say, what am I aiming for here? And you alluded to this before, Jeff, you know, kind of like, what's my end goal? Is my end goal, honestly, and, and you, you can only answer this honestly yeah. to yourself, but is my end goal that I am being a huge mate, you know, deal? Or am I, is my end goal that, that those around me are going to be uh, in a healthier place and a happier place? And yeah. I, I shared this with Peter before. There's an example where um, somebody um, who remained nameless was, uh, you know, got called into their manager's office, right? And this person was absolutely ambitious, no doubt about it. Um, probably on the, the side of being, you know, on the unhealthier side. And the team had gone to the manager and said, hey, I, you know, I, this person is, you know, I think we got to talk to this person about their ambition or how they're treating others. And so I'm with this person. The person turns to me and goes, when are they all going to realize that it's it's all them, not me? Mm. <laughs> and oh. here I go, wow, not, you know, just not seeing it in the moment. Um, thankfully, they couldn't see my facial expressions when they said that. So, um, so but how do you know? I think you'll hear terms about... Um, emotional IQ, you'll hear about organizational awareness and things. So well, let's assume for a moment that the folks we're talking about are in some type of broader organization. So are you spending time thinking about that? How your um, how your actions are going to impact other people as a part of it? Um, again, how you're perceived. And I think if you take that third-party view, that might be helpful as well as a part of looking at it. In, in this instance, this particular person was clearly not, uh, not doing that. Mm. Yeah, I... Um... I remember hearing a story, you know, a very prominent figure that goes to Browncroft here. They were talking about, they were telling a story, the organization they worked for was in a crisis and they drew up two scenarios, one scenario where they kept a job mm. and the second scenario where they didn't keep the job. And, and I sat there and I was just like, I was just blown away because who, who would draw up a scenario that they lose their job? You know, and I, I think sometimes what's been helpful for me, and I'd love to hear what you guys think. All of a sudden, this is a great mentoring session. <laughs> um, I, I feel like humility is present when I ask the question, what's best for the person I'm serving mm. or what's best for the organization that I'm serving? And I just always think about that story where it's like, you know what, the best thing for this organization right now to have the self-awareness to even put that on a whiteboard. And, you know, if you just take that for every single relationship, you know, what's the best thing? Like maybe the best thing right now is for you to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> and I'm going to sound like a big heretic right now, but I hate C.S. Lewis's definition of humility. So he says, um, I was just thinking about that as you were talking. Well, <laughs> it sounded actually eerily similar to C.S. Lewis's yeah, definition, but yeah. I didn't know why well, you hate it. Well, because, so it, it basically, C.S. Lewis says humility is thinking, it's not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Mm. But the problem with that is like, if I tell, like, if you tell an ambition, 
person, try to think about yourself less Then it like, it's this, I don't know if it's weird for me, but it's almost like, Hey, John, stop thinking about pink elephants. Like, what are you thinking about right now? <laughs> As opposed to like, I feel like even just what's best, you know, for the other, like, it's probably saying the same thing, but in my mind, instead of working from a negative, you're working toward, I don't know. You guys tell me if I'm crazy. So I, I don't dislike uh, the definition there because I think what the, the first part may be the more important part, right? Yeah. Um, is that it's not, um, you're not beneath others as a part of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, I mean, the, the King of Kings was, came to serve and was still the King. So I, I don't, I, I think it's important to not think of yourself, um, think less of yourself. I think sure. where, where are we going if, if we do that? The second part, sure. Um, but if that ambition, again, comes from a good place, mm. to tell somebody not to think about that, then no. I mean, I, I could think about, uh, if we talk athletics for a moment, I mean, there's people, mm. they all aspired to greatness, right? I don't think anybody, you know, uh, accidentally found themselves there. No way. Um, and there were examples of healthy uh, ambition in, in those folks as well. But But how many of them saw success in the team, right? Versus success just for themselves as well. So, um I still think it's an all right, an all right statement there. I could be crazy. <laughs> hey, this has been a, a really fun conversation. So, Jeff, we like to close with uh, just what would Jesus have to say about this? And, um, man, I've had a lot of fun. And, yeah. uh, John, why don't you get us started? And then, Jeff, you know, whatever bad advice we give, you know, you can just clean it up. Yeah. Know? No, I think, yeah, this has been a really fun conversation and I think a really worthy conversation. I, I, I just think about what would Jesus say about this topic? Um, I think he would say the most important thing is, is being completely sold out for what God wants for your life. And um, he was the ultimate example of that. And if we look at Jesus' life, we see someone who who put God's will above his own will. He he knew though, he had 100% surety of what God was asking him to do and he was extremely like if you want to talk about a healthy sense of ambition, he was all about accomplishing the mission that he was sent out to do. But he wasn't prideful about it. I just come like the image keeps on coming to my mind about Jesus wiping the disciples' feet. Like he's washing their feet. Um, and he's going to be killed the next day, and yet he takes the time to wash their feet. An unbelievable example of what it means, I think, as you were talking about before, servant leadership, um, that's the ultimate example of that. And at the same time, pairing that with ambition that he isn't going to be deterred from the mission that he's called to, amazing example of Jesus, I guess. Peter? You know, um, one of the things that I get to do for the church is like when someone has like a remarkable story, um, I'll ask them, Hey, can we communicate this somehow? And like, they'll quote some Bible passage of like, well, the right hand shouldn't know what the left hand's doing. And, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot because I, I think for some of you, like we've talked a lot about being ambitious, but you almost have, the other half of that where you're not like you have a false humility of I'm just not going to. And I think of if we just took that logic, we'd have no stories in the Bible. Like we wouldn't know, (laughs) like we literally would have. And, 
And I think what Jesus is teaching is what we've been saying. It's not about the action. It's about why you do it. So every verse, like I think about you go pray in public so people can see you. Like Jesus isn't saying don't pray in public. He's saying, are you doing it to be seen? And I think about the giving from the right. Are, are you giving because you're trying to earn some favor with God? And that's even something we didn't touch on. It's not even, I'm not even trying to earn favor with you guys of looking good. I just want God to see, like, that's a whole nother. Hmm. But I really just, I'm leaving this conversation with the big impression that God is so focused on our hearts, that God is so focused on making us aware. And that if you even, I think we think that it's a hundred percent, like it has to be healthy. I think if we're really honest, like at best we're 70, 30, but it's the awareness of the negative that says, you know what, I'm going to refocus my attention over here. So. Yeah, no, I, it's, it, uh, until the day that we don't have to call it servant leadership, I'm gonna, I would suggest <laughs> yeah. people that, that Jesus would say, yes, I want you to be a servant leader. I think that's number one, too. I think it's a condition of the heart. Mm. It's everything you just described, both of you just described there. So um, what's driving behind that? And then the underpinning of all of that is, God, where do you want me to be? Mm. I didn't ask that question as much. And I think if Jesus were here, he would say, um, if he's prepared great things in advance for us to do, are you asking and are you listening mm. uh, for what that is? Because you might be surprised uh, that it's not what you thought that you were wanting to pursue or be ambitious toward. Mm. Jeff, thanks so much for being with us. I I literally feel like this was just, we were having coffee at Starbucks and we dropped a microphone. This was a lot of fun. We're going to have to have you back on again. Uh, Jeff, is, is it fcarochester.com or what's your website? Just um, northeastfca.org northeastfca.org yeah. and um he is on instagram and uh, i just tagged him in one of our photos so there we go uh make sure you look us up at whygotawhypodcast.com we also are on instagram and twitter at wgw podcast and also on facebook if you use the hashtag use hashtag wgw podcast as john would say leave us an authentic review as i would say give us a five-star review no problem with humility there. Um, <laughs> just ambition. All right. We hope that you all have a wonderful day and we'll see you soon. <laughs>